Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Mind Your Loaf, a podcast about taking action on our mental health. I'm here at my co-host, Mar. Hi, everybody. Brilliant. And a team at Irish Mental Health Charity, TurnToMe.ie, who besides helping us with this podcast, provide professional mental health support online free to everyone in Ireland. Welcome to another episode of Mind Your Loaf with myself and Mar. Mar's here. Hey. It's right beside me in our kitchen, which is unusual. You might hear kind of a kitchen vibe. And down down the line, we have Matt Rudd. Hi, Matt. Hello. Hey, Matt. How are you? That's that's Mar over there, Matt. For for the purposes of this interview, I'm miserable. I think is what I have to say. But I'm fine. <laughs> well, listen, that comes straight to the book that you have out, which is called. Now, make sure I have the title right. Man down and why men are unhappy and what we can do about it. Is that the right title? Yes. Well done. You. You've read the right title. That's a good start. So tell me, what is rough? What is the book about? Apart from the obvious uh, title, but like, what what's going on in there? It started with an article I wrote for my newspaper a couple of years ago. We were running a lot of articles at the time about uh, women struggling to, you know, to have it all. You know, the having the perfect mm-hmm. career and also managing to run their home life, and. Like a typical man, I said, I'm not sure men are having a great time either. And my editor said, well, why don't you write that? So I went off and interviewed a lot of men who on paper looked like they were doing okay. And to a man, they were, they were pretty miserable. So the book then developed from that. And during those two years, I, in, the, in the article, I'd kind of hidden the fact that I was struggling and made it all about other men. And in this book, it was more of a personal journey um, into why, as, you know, on paper, as I say, I'm doing all right. I've got, you know, I've got the, the nice house yeah. with the ridiculous mortgage. I've got three boys. <laughs> I've got a relatively sustainable career. So what was going on? And so I tried to go into that. And, and the book is the journey of that. The key thing, though, is that it's not a self-help book because yeah. I'd read a lot of self-help books, and I think as a as a midlife man, I don't. For me in particular, my wife, 
who loves me and is lovely, spent a lot of her time shoving self-help books in front of me. And I kind of reacted quite defensively to that. Uh, so, and I think a lot of midlife men feel like they don't have any room for manoeuvre. You know, they don't have time to think about their own happiness. So the book is trying to understand that and also to try and work out if this midlife doldrums that we all seem to get ourselves mm. into is inevitable. And is it just that men, is it that they can't talk or is it just not, society just won't let them, you know, express their emotions? Is, is, is it just a, a given that like you're a man, you should be able to just get on with it? That, is it it, that exactly that last point. I think, uh, you know, th- there is no suggestion that men have it worse, far from it. This is a system designed by men for men. So that, I, that's the background to it. It's, it's ridiculous that someone like me should complain. But in reality, I think it's very hard for men to, to talk. It's such a cliche, but admitting you're struggling is a really, really big step. And certainly, as yeah. I said, I left it out of the first two years of writing about this for my newspaper. And, and I'm still quite nervous about talking about it now, even though I appear to be doing it on this podcast. I know and Matt, can I ask you then about that step, that very brave step you have taken to say that sentence, I am struggling. What was it like for you to say that and to say it so publicly? It was, the short answer is it was amazing, actually, because, and I didn't, I didn't just come out and say it. I'd already spoken to so many men and mm. who I, to me, they were doing better than me. You know, you look at other men and the grass is always greener and yeah. they really looked like they had it together. And, you know, there's just years of going to the pub with friends. And if one of them was to say something slightly fallible, there would always be jokes and banter and it would all be covered up. So the experience of sitting down with a lot of men and saying, I want to talk about this. So it's an, it's a serious inescapable conversation that that's cliche that men don't talk is true up to a point. And then it all comes out and actually they can be as emotionally literate as women, it's just that we're not, I don't think, used to doing it. So, do, do we not know how to do it, Matt? We definitely do. It's just overcoming that first step. Uh, and these men, as I say, were very, very quickly, it all came pouring out. And yeah. s- several of them, the, the one thing a lot of them had in common is that they felt uncomfortable while they were talking about it because they were worried that if they started addressing their happiness, the whole ridiculous balance that they had going would all fall down. So one of them said, literally, I don't want to think about myself. I've just got to keep going. And that is that is the way most people deal with midlife. I think they've, they've, you know, there's this huge spike in anxiety, stress, depression, and suicide in very, in particular, 45 to 49-year-old men. How old are you now, Jason? I'm 48 now. Oh, you're nearly there. <laughs> I'm nearly there. I've nearly made it. What is the main worry that's in a man of that age? What is he worried? What, what is it in there? I mean, is he worried about just keeping his job or, you know, keeping his family going? I mean, there's people that don't have families and they're just on their own, but they're still worrying. What did you find was the main trait? 
for me, my, for me, I, I started waking up at three o'clock in the morning and I'd, I'd been an insomniac as a child because I was worried about not getting up in time for the paper round and that started it. But then, so that carries on, but then you have kids so that it's not possible to be an insomniac with three kids. You're just too knackered. And then it, yeah. I got to this point where the kids could, you know, do up their own seat belts and wipe their own bums. <laughs> so I just had a little bit of time to think. And, that, uh, and then for me, and it was waking up at three o'clock in the morning and my brain trying to think of the worst possible things that could possibly happen. So, you know, losing the job, not being able to pay the mortgage, not being able to feed the kids, really crazy worst case scenarios. And that is exactly the pattern that was repeated in so many of the men I spoke to for this book. They're just, it's, it's, there's a kind of, uh, I don't know how to describe it. There's a kind of, you've got, you've got to plan for the worst and the time to do, the time to do that is clearly not at three o'clock in the morning. There's nothing you can do. There's an amazing study they, they some scientists in the way that they tend to do these things hooked up a load of flashy executives to a stress monitoring machine for a week. And the, the highest, the peak stress for these execs was Sunday morning. So it wasn't Monday or it wasn't in the week. It was Sunday. And that was the time when they were kind of beginning to think about work, but couldn't actually do anything about it because it was Sunday morning. And I think that's for, for midlife men, it's this catastrophizing, imagining what's, what's the worst possible thing that could happen. With, with women as well, with the ladies and Mar and everything, like when, they're, when they are with their baby, you will see a lot of women meeting up with their babies and talking and flowing. And like women will go and meet each other. I mean, I know all my female friends and all will meet each other in the morning and it's just, they just like overflow, like they unleash what's wrong with them. Like, you know what I mean? Where men, as you said, just don't have that. So and as you said, when we meet each other, if there's something wrong with me or something wrong with my friends, they'll they'll joke about it. Do you know what I mean? So as you said earlier, so they will go, so how, how how's things? Oh my wife, she's such she's a nightmare. Oh, when I tell you, and it's funny. But what they're really saying is, oh my marriage is gone to shit. And this and all. But they won't say it. So how can we help men? Like, what can they do? I mean, there's so many men I know that would be in groups and there's no way they tell each other what's wrong with them. Like, you know, not, not even one of them. And if you say go to therapy, they think, what? I'm going that either. And, they just, and you know that the almost the loudest guy in the group is the one that probably needs the most help. So, it, so did you find any way of what, what you can do to help them? Absolutely not. No, there's nothing that can be done. <laughs> That's, that's encouraging and you know what the Irish love a bit of honesty <laughs> they're all going you know what he's dead Roy we're all bollocks <laughs> no I'll, I'll t- I mean that is exactly true and I there's a chapter in the book about men and physical health and there's another chapter yeah. about men and mental health and it's examining this just this I talked to a few GPs who say I can't remember the name for it but there's a th- doctors have a name for men coming in to their 10 minute appointment and spending the first nine minutes talking about an ingrowing toenail. And as they're walking out the door, they say, oh, and by the way, one of my testicles has fallen off. So really, we're so rubbish at communicating even about our physical health. I I, I wrote a piece about this for my paper 
And a couple of weeks later or a month later, uh, a wife wrote in and said she'd left the piece out on the bedside table for her husband to read because she, in her words, had been nagging him because he was very stressed and she wanted him to go and get checked out. So she left this, he read it and went to the doctor and had life, life-saving heart surgery. <laughs> so, yes. so that's how insane that that's, I'm not saying that cause I, I was obviously quite pleased that I technically saved a man's life there, but at the same time, how ridiculous are we that we would, you know, we would leave it to within two weeks of needing heart surgery to go and get checked out. The answer, why I say no, is that in order for, for us to be better at this sort of stuff, we've really got to start. I mean, in the book, I've got some solutions that are all the solutions you've talked about on this podcast before. But we really need to change the way we raise boys. And we're doing it. We're getting better. But, you know, the the full sort of be strong, be stoic, here's your superhero costume, uh, it's, that doesn't, that just teaches boys in particular that if they, if they show fallibility, they're not proper men. And I, I did it myself the other day. I, my youngest fell over and scuffed his knee and he was, his lip was wobbling and he was crying a bit. And I was a bit embarrassed for, I've done two years of writing about how men need to open up and be more emotional and have, we need to have emotional equality to match economic equality. Two years of that. And I'm embarrassed for my son because he's expressing his emotions. He was being a bit wet though. (laughs) So do you have a little girl, Matt? No, I've got three boys. Why do you think I've written a whole book? I have two yeah, boys. Two boys. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, if, if you, yeah, isn't it weird? Because I have done that with my boys. Do you know what I mean? And when I go to, uh, they do GAA training, you know, and that is... Uh, Irish football. The GAA Irish football, yeah. Yeah, in case of any of the British are listening in, and the uh, Australian... Of course I knew what GAA football was. Yeah. Watch it all the time on so, Sky so... Channel 9721. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, you know, I, I watch how they even get, how they even get trained is, uh, is pretty it's, horrific. Yeah, it's quite aggressive. And we were just talking about this earlier on. I have this little hypothesis, not even hypothesis, but... That's a full word, by the way, man. She's... <laughs> but I was talking to... Four years of psychotherapy training for it, I was talking to <laughs> my cousin. This is a few years ago. And my cousin was about 25 at the time, right? And he would have played GA football. So a lot of their time is spent on a pitch. Now, he didn't say this. This is me saying this. You know, with the, co- the, co- the coach roaring at them. Pass! Roar! You know, it's just words. You know, there's no sentences. And in fact, they're not even speaking sentences, the players. And then they go and they celebrate or they commiserate with pints. You know, and there's huge emotion that they don't know what to do with. And they're certainly not talking about it. Do you know the kind of way? And I've completely forgotten what I was But isn't it weird? Don't worry about that. But no, but in, in terms of men being entitled to speak about emotion and you kind of forgetting yourself with your, your little boy and thinking, Jesus, you know, put yourself together, you're right in public. These things don't just change in a moment of awareness. Sure they don't. I mean, they, like you said, it has to go back to how are we going to parent our kids or how are we going to raise boys now? But right now for the men who are raising their kids, who are your age, what can you do? What responsibility can you guys take now for your ability to, I don't 
Can you take responsibility for the caliber of conversation you have with each other? Is that possible? Is it possible for one guy to say, I'm really struggling here? Does that open up permission for others to join in, in that conversation? Is that what it takes? Yeah, I, I, and, I, and I, I genuinely think that that's not as hard as we might think of it. Yeah. Because that's in my, I have, you know, all of my, I started all of this research with my own friendship group. Yeah. And if you are serious with them, they will be serious back. You know, the banter stops stops really quickly. And uh, in several cases, friends, you know, we now talk differently. We still have a laugh, but we talk yeah. differently to each other. And I would say that our friendship has deepened. But, you know, we do have, uh, there was a, a, quite a, inflammatory study done a few years ago which showed that men talk 7,000 words a day and women talk 20,000 words a day. <laughs> I'm quite surprised at the 7,000. Yeah, I know. Well, exactly. I definitely, I definitely don't talk 7,000 words a day. Sports are a really good example. You know, the number of sports, sports people who, as soon as they've won everything, you know, go into a period of depression you know, it's this. It's yeah, it's a really right. good example. There was the, some some scientists took photographs of a, all the, or they looked at photographs of all the um, Olympians in the nineteen ninety six Olympics, and all the gold uh, medal winners looked really really happy, and all the bronze medal winners looked really really happy. Oh yeah, the silver medalists had these rictus grins. <laughs> they hated it. And, I, and this is a really good thing to, because I, what I would also say is for, for fathers raising boys is the pressure to succeed that you see very in a very big microcosm in sports is the same in real life. And if you're raising boys, to, you've got to do well in your exams. You've got to do this. You've got to don't cry. It's only all of those things then what you're doing is you're getting them into this whole rat race, the conveyor belt, whatever you want to call it, where you're always thinking, in order to be happy, I have to be successful. So you're then, yeah. you're trapped mm -hmm. in this, I've got to do as well as my colleagues, I've got to have as, a house as big as the guy down the road, he's got a new car, it all spills out into everything. Yeah. And then suddenly, like me, you wake up at three o'clock in the morning, age 45, and realize that was all a bit of a waste of time. I mean, it must be all about just trying to break the chain, Matt, you know what I mean? Because I think, we're, I think we do have to give ourselves a bit of a pat on the back because we've gone from like fathers of my dad's decade who just didn't say anything to you. Yeah. Nothing. Like now and again, you might get a, are you all right? And you go, yeah, and that'd be it. So it's gone from that... To actually, and then my dad, I mean, I remember like, because like he passed away, whatever, but at his eulogy, I was saying that like, he never went to football matches or uh, school plays or anything. Because he said there would just be loads of like old women there. So why would I go to that? And he's absolutely mean, right. Yeah, he was right. Yeah, he used to call men uh, L ones. <laughs> that were at the fucking school play he got there ah so there was only L ones at that so my dad was very much man that's it I don't connect with the children but now you know even though I'm 48 or 45 we definitely do connect with our children more I think the majority of us are trying to speak to them 
But yeah, there is still that thing that still creeps in, like you said. Your kid falls, you're a boy, stand up, walk, what are you blubbering about? Do you know what I mean? That still is kind of hardwired into us. You know what I mean? Like, and my sons are, I mean, I talk to them loads and tell them I love them and kiss them and everything. And, but like, I'll definitely jump on one of them and just like, you know, mess and like dig the head off them. Just, just playing. You know what I mean? As, but I would never do that if I had a little girl. I wouldn't jump on her side taking the head off her. But like, but I think we are connecting better with our little, our little kids. But yeah, it's just trying to rub out that last bit. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. But do you think, guys, that in order to connect better with your little boys and your little girls, whatever it is, well, we actually both, because if we wanted to create this equality, hmm. um, you know, in society... That really first you have to connect in with yourselves. Yeah. Because it really is very unfair to expect you guys to allow somebody else to be vulnerable when you don't even allow yourselves to be. Do you know the kind of way? Yeah, and I think and what you were saying about Matt as well, about at, at late at night, I don't think anybody else is looking after anything. Oh, so it's all your responsibility. I think yeah. it's me only yeah. as a man and it's I'm wired like that and that even though, you know, my ex-wife now, whatever, she does brilliant with the children. She's studying, she does fine. Uh, my mother's fine. Uh, my family are fine. But as the man and as the kind of head of the family, I, I just think nobody's doing anything. I think it's just a man. I'm a man. Like, here's a brilliant one. When my dad died, I was in the hospital and my whole family turned around to me and just looked at me. When he passed away, to go, what do we do now? But that's my fault because I have, I have been, I, I've been acting like the man of the family. Because my dad used to say that, you know, you're the man of the family now. You know, you're the man. This weird shit. What, what, what I found. So once I'd worked out that it wasn't just me lying awake at night catastrophizing, it was all <laughs> men. Uh, the the next realization was uh, I think you're right. My wife does not. She doesn't see the bumps in the road six bumps ahead, right? So she she will wait for things to go wrong and then deal with them when they've gone wrong. Whereas I'm six to ten bumps 
in the road ahead. And what I've realized is that those bumps, I'm stretching the analogy here, but those bumps might not, there might not be any bumps. And that's the, that's how she lives her life. And she's much further down this road. She's like a black belt in Eckhart Tolle kind of mindfulness and all of that. She worries about stuff when we need to worry about stuff. And so, so the, that's been the big change for me since I started really thinking about this. That's perfect what you say there, Matt, because your children will, they will see you doing that and see their mother doing that and they will copy you. So you, I don't know what your dad was like, but my dad was a major worrier like that. And he just had the weight of, of the world on his shoulders, but there was nothing really bad happening to him. But now I, I do have a sense of that, but I'm trying to get my children not to, work, not to be like that now. Yeah, but they're so... See, I've got a long way to go, but my eldest son is... He's, he's now... It's too late for him. If I'd written this book five years ago, maybe I would have... Maybe, maybe I would have reached the level of Zen that you need to be not to pass all this stuff onto your kids. It's too mm-hmm. late for him. The youngest one, I'm kind of now, you know, I'm, I try to be relaxed around and try and remove the pressure. And, and I just want to go, uh, you know, you were t- talking about boys and girls earlier. And it's what, what's really, I was talking to someone who, who runs, who is a, who studies forest schools and wants us to have more forest schools to let kids run free a bit more of their time. And we were talking about how school is really all about getting kids to behave, to sit still, to, you know, to write neatly, to earn the gold star. And boys obviously find that harder to do. They want to be, it's dangerous to make gender stereotypes, sweeping generalizations, but they do want to mm-hmm. run around a bit more. And so we were discussing that and she made the point that we should be worrying a bit why girls um, are happier to sit still. They've, even before they've got to school, they've been taught that good yeah. girls must sit still and all the rest of it. So this stuff really needs to start it's really early on. As well. It starts, I really, it, it's, um, what's that word? It's, it is subliminal, it's, even parents who are really trying very hard not to have any of these gender stereotypes in the upbringing of their children, they can still mm. seep in or bleed in, yeah. to use your expression earlier on. Well, it's too, they're, they're, they're in too many different situations. Like they're in the sport, they're in the school, they're with their mates, they're at home. It's very hard to, to blanket them and just like, you know, and, and cover them and watch them. It's just not, it, they're going to pick up different habits. Aren't yeah. They? And, and yeah. in... In that, um, sorry, Matt and, and Jason, just to cut across both of you, but just bring it back just a couple of times, you know, in, in listening to you speaking, you know, about your wife kind of shoving self-help books under your nose and that um, reader talking about leaving one of your articles out for her husband. There's this sense of the men not talking even to their partners about things and, and, and they... they if a woman, if their partner is trying to say, look, are you okay? Or blah, 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 that it's seen as nagging or God, you're so annoying, leave me alone. I want to go into my man cave, blah, blah, blah. In the spirit of equality, in, in recognising we are all humans, we all suffer, we all have stresses, we're all vulnerable, blah, blah, blah. Do you, like, do, what do you need your partners to be doing 
to help you guys to talk? Or, or do you feel, do men feel more comfortable speaking to other men about their stuff? Well, I, I think, as I say, we're in a period of flux at the moment. Yeah. And as it stands, I think men, when they do talk, are going to talk to their, the, the, the women in their lives. So we're still, right. we're still so far no. behind emotionally that, that we require women to help us develop our own emotional intelligence. So, you know, you emerge out of school, out of the locker room, out of whatever kind of childhood you've had. And then you, you know, and the, you know, the, it is changing, but adolescence for me in the, in the eighties and early nineties, it was all, you know, bravado and, boasting and pretending mm. you'd actually kissed a girl when you didn't until you were 28, whatever it was, all of that. And then suddenly you've got to try and find a, a relationship. And, and then, you know, you spend the next few years catching up. I think what I hope is, uh, and, you know, so many more, there are more books and more podcasts and more people are talking about male mental health. I would hope that we wouldn't have to, you know, rely rely on women doing all the emotional labor we would get to the point where we were able to deal with it ourselves shall i tell you about the happiest person okay, i met so- in in two years so cheer us up a bit yeah go on <laughs> he was a guy who was kind of setting out in the way that we all he'd gone to done the school passed the test and he was setting up a burglar alarm installation business on the south coast of england and because the kinds of people who have burglar alarms installed tend to be older, he was spending all day with old people. And they, when they were making him a cup of tea, they would say, always they would say, I wish I was your age again. I'd do it all differently. So this, like, drip, drip, drip. So he finished with his girlfriend, binned the mortgage, closed the business, and he spent <laughs> 35 years living in a caravan next to Loch Ness. Jesus Christ. And he's now, really happy. Well, yes. And yeah, we obviously we can't. And this is the thing that annoys me about self-help books is they always, you, you know, if you, if I was, I am 45, if I read a book saying, right, you've got to go and live in a caravan next to Loch Ness, that's how you will find your passion. I don't have any room for manoeuvre. And, you know, as a stressed out midlife man, you don't feel like, but he was what he was really brilliant at is for him, the kind of highs of his day would be a change of light or a different weather front coming across the lake. And he's been interviewed before and people tend to dismiss him as a kook. And he is, I mean, he's certainly eccentric, but the way he, he was, it was like talking to a Jedi Knight. He was so in the moment, he was so excited about, a, a branch floating that could be the monster like really just and the, yeah. and the lesson from him was that you know you can fight and this is going to sound a bit hippie and kooky but you you we've all got things that we can be happy about you know there yeah. are even and it's trying to stop thinking about your 10-year plan or oh, I might mm. not be if I if I don't do that then I might not get that it's trying to stop all of that and just appreciate briefly what you've got before you have to pick the kids up from school and then it all goes to 
Shit. Yeah, I mean, it, it's like a lot of the guru heads and all them, they all just say that, you know, if we all really knew that we were going to die, we'd all be different people. Well, lads, we are going to die. Yeah, but we don't really <laughs> believe it. <laughs> we just... There was a sign, I was in a, one of my attempts to find midlife happiness was to become a surfer and that lasted, that lasted two hours. <laughs> But in the place we were having breakfast after, there was a sign on the door which said, live every day like your hair's on fire. <laughs> which, is, which, would, which would obviously be agony. But, you know, the, the, the general point they're making is to, you know, seize the day and all of that stuff. All of which is, falls on total deaf ears to your typical stressed out midlife man. Yeah. But it's, it is true within that you can, you really can do those things where you can go for a walk or, you know, go for whatever it is you do. It's about decompartmentalizing everything, isn't it? I mean, it's trying to do that. I mean, I always found that very hard. Mine was always just a big mash of mush until somebody just said, big right, mash of mush. big mash of mush, literally. <laughs> and I, I'll, so I had to put aside my, like my career was in that box and then my, running and mental health stuff and meditation was in that box and my children were in that that seems to be a good way of doing it and then you know and as you said going for a walk or just sitting and looking in a lake was in another box so it's about trying to organize your time and and to get quite practical here that there are a lot some of the men i spoke to were doing crazy things to try and find time one guy was hiding in the bath another guy was going off to the cinema just to try and on his own to try and have some me time yeah. And actually, the first time I did, you know, going off for a walk in the woods, the first time I did that, uh, it was, re- I found it really, you know, no foe, nothing to distract, just, so you immediately, you're in the woods thinking about your job and your mortgage, so that doesn't work, but you, the more you do it and actually work through it, the the easier it becomes. So, yeah. you know, well, it is. Well, is that, is that maybe the key, how men might find things easier? Because I've been, it's been said to me in the past, and um, oh my God, you don't know how to talk. You need to learn how to talk, right? You'll hear that being said quite a lot, right? So good to men. And, men, a lot of, and then I find men that go, I just don't like talking. I don't want to talk, but I would love more time on my own. I like to be, I like to be on, alone with my thoughts, like you said there. And, and I, I know friends of mine that can solve their problems on their own, but they have peace to do it. I've often heard my I've often heard my dad do that. My dad going, just give me some peace, just give me a bit of peace, and I, and then he's on his own in his little newspaper or whatever. And this is this is almost how he dealt with his his little. But I wonder is that again, is that a socially constructed thing that men feel like you said something earlier there, Matt? About, so I'll be able to um, sort this out on my own. We won't need the, the the woman's input or whatever. But is it about sorting it out on our own, or is it about just building a relationship? with ourselves both men and women building relationships with themselves i really do think that's the primary relationship and i think that's the part that's missing do you mean being a better person no no actually actually get to know yourself going Mm. for a walk in the woods without your phone and, and and making a commitment to yourself just to be in that moment well then you are just with yourself yeah, I think that's brilliant because you know, I think a lot of men do put on this armour every day at the door and then yeah. go out and they never really take it off and look at themselves naked in the mirror. It's that kind well, of analogy. You wouldn't, would you? I'm always, <laughs> look, I'm always looking at myself naked. Always. 
I think that's that's where all your problems are, Jason. <laughs> um, I, 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 I think I think Ma, you're right. You, you, I didn't I didn't mean sort. We we need to sort its, uh, our problems out on our own. I think exactly that. We need to spend time with ourselves before we then, rather than yeah. just using women as an emotional crutch or attempt. Or a barometer. I often find that in, in relationships, women are the barometer. We are the ones saying mm-hmm. we have a problem. We are, you know, there, there's something wrong in this relationship or you seem distant or it's, I, I, in my experience, I've found like, why do I have to be the one telling you that there's something wrong? Not that there's something wrong with you, but you know, you seem down or whatever it is. Yeah, but you know, men, I think I think men really don't like being told that by other people. No. But yeah. as the statistics show, there is a, there are real problems, particularly in this age group. And and the the thing, if we are going to try and be practical, that that idea of spending time on your own that's really really challenging for a lot of men. And what because we do again, I'm making big generalizations here, but we do tend to want to do stuff we want to get stuff done we don't want to sit and talk about it we want to just get on with it which is why you have this whole you know middle-aged men in lycra right i am feeling a bit down i shall go to the bike shop and spend a million pounds on some (laughs) lycra and and then you know i'd be interested to know jason when when you run do you have do you have map my run? Do you have one of those things where you're pitting yourself against yourself? Yeah, I'm very competitive. I do that two times. Yeah. yeah. So, so this is you need to get rid of that. You need to be see. Look, I now I'm sounding like a self help guru. No, but let me just get tell rid you of thing. it. My phone died uh, one day when I was running, and then all I could hear was myself breathing, and I did feel better afterwards. <laughs> Because I did, because I was literally like uh, concentrating on my breathing, and then I could hear the sea around me and everything, and then yeah, I did feel better. So, but then I was wondering how fast I went. What is going? <laughs> what, what is what is going to happen with your? So you have your regular route. What possibly is going to be the end result of that? You're going to get slower. You're getting older. Oh, I definitely am getting slower. Right. Yeah. So you're basically recording your own demise on a on an app so just don't do it don't do it don't because we we have to compete it's get rid of all of that don't so you map my run will give you a trophy because you ran faster than 78 percent of people who ran that route what's so that's now you're suddenly comparing yourself to other people that is a waste of time my friend you need to get rid of it and run with yourself yes i like that that's brilliant is that is that why you have a table football in, in the background there? Do you just play on your own? Yeah, so, exactly. so you can't lose. <laughs> I've got an app where, where it records <laughs> how quickly I score. You score, yeah. I do think we'd all be a lot happier if, if any, anything that needs an app, you shouldn't have. Well, look, Matt, thanks for talking to us. Um, you're brilliant. Uh, I mean, you're a great fun as well. And um, so man down, why men are unhappy and what they can do about it. That's, you can get that online you can get it in the occasional good bookshop oh my god <laughs> yes yes or can you get it online even oh i think yeah i've just we've just advised people to spend less time online so you know oh. so Is go into a bookshop we talked about the, some of the important stuff in the book they probably don't need to buy it now but thanks for talking <laughs> to me it's no, been a real pleasure I do, I do think it's a really um important 
book to be out there. Mm. And and I, I, I just to end, just to say that all of these things that women think about themselves and men think about themselves, most of them are socially constructed. They're not facts. There's no have to. Mm. You know, and if we all just become a little bit more mindful and say, well, am I doing this for because I want to or because I have to and act from that point, even just for three or four minutes yeah. a day. You know. And the great thing about this is that we would talk. We said we talked to you for forty five minutes, and it's roughly, I'd say, bang on forty five minutes. So as a man, I think we've achieved that. <laughs> yeah, like bang on. Whoa, yes. <laughs> success. Yeah. Success. We have su- uh, we've succeeded in one thing today. But the one thing I'd seen that we learned from this, Matt, is it, it, it's good for men to talk to each other. Yeah, I like how the fact I've said very little in this. No, anyway, that's uh, and that's another thing. Women think they've said very little. <laughs> anyway, Matt, thanks so much. I appreciate it. Say hello to your lovely wife and your children. Yeah, Thank I love you so much for doing this. Well, Mar. I don't know what episode this oh. will be, but that, that's a very important uh, topic. Trying to get men to talk, trying to get out there and trying to help each other. Guys are entitled to their emotions and to talk about them as much as women are. That's my closing point. Yeah, but did you see the match last night? (laughs) Well, Liverpool! That's literally what you're dealing with. Anyway, thanks to Matt Rudd. Thanks, Matt Rudd, exactly. Thanks, Mark. Turn to Me provides professional mental health support. Ah, Jason. Do your, uh, you know, your ad voice. Oh, yeah, I'll do the ad. Okay, I'll do a proper ad thing. Okay, ready? Yeah. As a registered charity, Turn To Me provides professional mental health support online for anyone in Ireland going through a tough time. From one-to-one counselling to group and peer support, Turn To Me is accessible from any device anywhere in Ireland. If you would like to support Turn To Me, you can donate €4 Euros by texting Turn To Me to 50300. Text costs €4. Euros. Turn To Me will receive a minimum of €3.60 service provider-like charity. Helpline 077. Six six eight zero five two seven eight. Is that you? Yeah, that was actually me. There. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Jesse Crookshank. Jesse Crookshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl. 
Let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs> 